with a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the marquee games for week 18 in the NFL. There will be no sandwich game because it's the last week of the year, but I've got a money line Matty pick in store for you. Uh, but first, with me as always, from Almost Wise Guys Central, it's Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, and Andy, I can't get anything in my brain except for Damar Hamlin. He's all I could think about. He's been in my thoughts and prayers all week, as I'm sure our listeners and everybody in the football world. Uh, what a crazy Monday night. Yeah, I mean, well, you echo my sentiments exactly. Uh, it was uh, sort of tough to prepare for the show because it's hard thinking about, you know, spreads and props and sandwich games and neat stuff like that when a guy's lying in the hospital unconscious. But apparently we've got some good news. You got a, a recent report from... Uh, Ian Rappaport, what was that? Yeah, so uh, according to uh, Ian Rappaport, and this uh, just in as as far as when we we're recording this show, uh, Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin, opened his eyes last night and is responsive. Truly incredible. One thing that's very clear from speaking to those close to him, they are endlessly appreciative of the medical care given to Hamlin on the field immediately, then over the last 72 hours, end quote, and uh, this leads us into the top five portion of our show, normally a comedy bit. Uh, but uh, this past Monday night was a lesson that even though to a lot of us, football is life, football isn't more important than life itself. And maybe the heroes that are present on game day aren't the guys in helmets and shoulder pads, but maybe they're the ones on the sidelines. Uh, when DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest in the first quarter of last week's Monday Nighter, it was the team trainers and doctors from both the Bills and the Bengals who sprang into action, and it was their quick thinking and life-saving CPR skills that brought DeMar Hamlin back from the brink of death. It was a real-life miracle that we were witnessing on live television. And like I said, normally this top five is a comedy bit, but in honor of the heroic action taken by the Bills and Bengals training staff on Monday Night Football, here are the top five times a team's medical staff saved a player's life. Number five, Craig Lindsay. In May of 2016, Grant May was in his senior year at Centerville High School in Ohio and was captain of the lacrosse team. During a game, he was hit in the chest with a lacrosse ball and collapsed due to a commodial cordis event similar to the one that befell DeMar Hamlin. Enter had athletic trainer Craig Lindsay. With only a small window of time to diagnose the problem and get the heart back into rhythm, Lindsay attached the automated external defibrillator to Grant May and was able to restore proper heart rhythm right there on the field, saving the teenager's life. Number four, Dr. Martin Boson. During the 2020 European Football Championship, Denmark's midfielder Christian Eriksen collapsed on the pitch due to cardiac arrest. His teammates put him into the recovery position and Dr. Boson and the rest of the medical team sprinted into action. When he arrived at the fallen footballer, he had to act quickly as Eriksen's condition was rapidly deteriorating. Boson did CPR for 13 minutes and used the defibrillator to bring Eriksen back. Number 3 Kent Felb and Terry Locke. It was the final week of the 1997 NFL season, and the Jets were facing the Lions at the Pontiac Silverdome. 
Lions linebacker Reggie Brown went in for a routine tackle on Jets running back Adrian Morrell. However, when they fell to the ground, the crown of Brown's helmet crashed into the back of the falling Jets lineman. Brown tried to move but realized he was paralyzed and even worse, he couldn't breathe. Kent Felb and Lions team doctor Terry Locke went to Brown's side. Brown was not breathing, so Phelps stabilized his spine while Locke started CPR. They worked on Brown for 15 minutes until he was stable enough to be transported. Brown would never walk again, but without life-saving treatment on the field, he would have died before he got to the hospital. Number 2. Dr. Andrew Cappuccino In Week 1 of the 2007 NFL season, the Bills' Kevin Everett was in pursuit of the ball carrier on the opening kickoff. As he attempted to tackle the return man, he suffered a fracture and dislocation of a cervical spinal that left him completely paralyzed. Bill's orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Andrew Cappuccino, was quick to act, and as a cutting-edge physician, he decided to attempt a treatment that had not yet been used called systemic hypothermia, where the body is put into a hypothermic state so that the body's immune response doesn't make the spinal injury worse. Despite virtually all doctors saying that he would never walk again, Everett would show warrior spirit and walk again. It was Dr. Cappuccino's quick thinking that gave him the chance. And the number one time medical staff saved an athlete's life, Jim Pusatelli. On March 22, 1989, during a game between the St. Louis Blues and the Buffalo Sabres, Blues forward Steve Tuttle crashed into the net and collided with Sabres goaltender Clint Malarchuk. During the collision, Tuttle skate severed Malarchuk's carotid artery and partially cut his jugular vein. Before play had even stopped, Sabres trainer Jim Puzzatelli, a former combat medic, was on the ice running towards Malarchuk, who was gushing blood. Puzzatelli quickly shoved his fingers in the wound and used his fingers to pinch the artery and jugular shut. He proceeded to hold it all the way to the hospital until the doctors arrived. It took over 300 stitches to close the wound. So, yes, Andy, a tip of the cap goes to all those who serve on the medical staffs of all these teams. And uh, prayers up to Damar Hamlin. Let's fire this up. Yeah, Matt, let's fire it up. Right, the first game on the docket, we're talking Jacksonville, Tennessee. Uh, Jacksonville, the home team, six points is what they're favored by, and 38 and a half is your total. Uh, now, the Titans are seven and nine overall, with four and four away, with a record of eight, seven, and one against the spread, including 0 5 and one against the spread in their last six. Jags, 8-8 eight eight overall, 4-3 and three at home with a 500 record against the spread. Now, the playoff implications here are that uh, the Titans win the AFC South with a win. The Jags clinch the AFC South with a win or a tie. So both these teams got to get it done this weekend. But it's bad news for the Titans because this is a tale of two teams that are headed in opposite directions. Uh, Jags won 36-22 in Tennessee in Week 14. And the Titans have fallen off a cliff since then uh andy will the titans have what it takes to crush the jags dream of stealing a playoff spot well earlier in the week it was suggested that derrick henry might not be suiting up um but he indeed uh did practice yesterday so it does look like he's going to be in which is great because obviously tan still out 
Uh, Malik Willis has proven uh, that he's not worth being a quarterback for any team. So now you've got Dobbs in there. And Josh Dobbs, keep in mind, two weeks ago, was on the Detroit Lions practice squad. Now, in his replacement of Willis last week, uh, in a 27-13 loss to the Cowboys, it was the first start of his career. He pl- completed 29 or 20 of 39 passes for 232 yards, one TD, one INT. All right, not bad. They're going to have to rely on Derrick Henry almost entirely if they want to have a shot at winning this game. Well, he's he's going to get a massive workload. The Titans' season's on the line. Yep. And last time he played uh, the Jags, he rushed for... 121 yards on 7.1 yards per carry uh obviously in a loss but you know they scored 22 points that game and a lot of it was on the back of derrick henry i think the problem is uh jacksonville won that previous meeting more by converting four turnovers into points and if jacksonville wants to win again and get to the playoffs their defense have to stand tall again they got to take henry out of the game make dobbs try to beat them and the offense just needs to keep converting when the defense gets them the ball back, which has not been a problem recently. No. I, I like the Jags to cover the six points at home, but if it goes to seven, I'd be aware. Well, it was at six and a half not that long ago. Um, obviously, one thing that they have to do with Jacksonville is contain ATN, who's having a great season, especially the last half of it. I think they can do that with the type of defense that they have in there. Um, obviously it's going to leave some other wide receivers open, but I think containing the run, uh, should be first and foremost on Vrabel's mind, uh, defensively, as long as Derrick Henry does Derrick Henry stuff, I I see Tennessee covering this game. When you come in against Derrick Henry, you better go low. Do not stand up with that man and let him just throw you out of the club. Sunday, let's start with a big-time matchup for the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers play host to the Cleveland Browns. Pittsburgh, two-and-a-half-point favorites. 38-and-a-half's your total for this one as well. Now, Cleveland, 7-9 overall, 3-5 and five away with a 500 record against the spread. However, they're 4-2 and two against the spread and straight up in their last six games. Pittsburgh, 8-8 eight eight overall, 3-4 and four at home, and are 9-6-1 against the spread. The playoff implications here, Browns are out. Uh, the Titans hold the tiebreaker against them via conference record. And uh, Pittsburgh does have a shot, but they're going to need help. The Steelers can get in if they win, and the Dolphins lose or tie, and the Patriots lose or tie. Or the Steelers tie and Miami and New England both lose. So the Steelers do have a shot, but Cleveland is definitely going to look to throw a wrench into those plans. Well, they certainly did with Washington last week, and decisively so. Um, I certainly was... Uh, Let's let's preface that with a Carson Wentz-led Washington. Well, okay, but it won't be. um, No, well, not that we're talking about Washington here, but um, Kenny Pickett played... Well enough to get a last-second touchdown. That was kind of an incredible game there. Um, You know, the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. They couldn't score all game, and then, you know, in the final minutes, they they finally beat that Baltimore defense. 
snuck out the win. In case you haven't heard, Maddie, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. Tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. Yeah, this is their chance to give him one. Well, I know that Cleveland wants to play spoiler. They're deep at the running back position. They're pretty good on defense. They've got some weapons on the outside. And this is always a tight game. I Honestly, I could see a, I could see a scenario where the two and a half actually does come into play, where, where Pittsburgh wins and doesn't cover. That's how tight I think this one's going to be. Tight like a tiger. Uh, but for now, with a little bit more on the line, the fact they're on they're at home. By the way, I'm not sure if you knew this. Kenny Pickett was co-captain uh, with Demar Hamlin at Pitt, so those guys knew each other quite well. Obviously, an emotional week for him. He had a similar one last week with. Uh, uh, the passing of Franco Harris. And I think the emotion just uh, continues and, and they ride that wave. And Mike Tomlin leads them to another winning season. And I think the Steelers cover the two and a half. Yeah, let me bolster that for you. Uh, last game, Watson had his best game of the season with three passing touchdowns, but he did it on only 169 yards. And Washington's secondary isn't that great. They're bottom third of the league. Now, the Steelers' defense has allowed seven points or fewer in the last six games and haven't allowed more than 190 yards passing in any of them. So, obviously, the Browns are going to have to do it with Nick Chubb, but he only got 113 yards, uh, be it at a little over five yards a carry when they, these two teams first met. And the Steelers' biggest weakness defensively is against the run, but... The Browns are bad against the run, too. They're allowing more than five yards of carry. I, I look for the Steelers here to do it on home field as well. I would not bet on that. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to win a buttload of money. The bills make me want to kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now. The bills are making it happen now. Up next, let's go to Orchard Park, where the Buffalo Bills play host to the New England Patriots. Buffalo favored by seven and a half points. 42 and a half is the total here. The Pats, eight and eight overall, four and four away with a record of seven, eight and one against the spread. Buffalo, 12 and three overall, six and one at home, but only 500 against the spread this season. Now, the implications here are that the Bills have already clinched their playoff berth, but they can clinch first round by with a Buffalo win and KC loss or tie, or a Buffalo tie and a KC loss. Um, the Pats, they control their own destiny, win and they're in. However, they can also get in if they lose, Miami loses, ties, and the Steelers lose or tie. Or Miami loses, the Steelers lose, and the Jags win or tie. Yeah, I've already covered this. Now, Buffalo's had a hard time covering spreads this season when they had something to play for. Now, I mean home field advantage yeah but with the emotions that they felt on monday night this team might not even be the same and i know they don't want to they don't want to ruin anything like josh allen's health going into the playoffs no they don't and let's give our audience just a little bit of background here we're going on the premise that that game between buffalo and cincinnati will not be played so our predictions are and and scenarios are based on that I'd hate to, you know what, this is this is a tough one. Because you can see Buffalo, you know, they can come out in a couple of different ways. Yeah, winning one for the Gipper, right? 
when I'm on for the Gipper, now you got some positive news uh, about Hamlin's health. So that's going to help them. And and just, you know, against against the Patriots, the Bills are 3-0 and straight up and ATS in the last three games against New England. In those three games, average, uh, average margin of victory, 18.6 points. But they've absolutely owned the Pats in the last year and a half. And the Patriots need to win and they're in, right? I don't think, I'm pretty sure they don't need any help, right? You said that? No, they win and they're in. They win and they're in. And I don't know, you know, what's Buffalo might be playing for a top seed. Um, it sure would be nice to get that if it, if it came down to it. You know, they there, I think there were Josh Allen's 0 and 3 on the road and 3 and 0 at home in the playoffs. So certainly they want to be bringing that thing back to Orchard Park. I just don't know if seven and a half is too much. And it's a, po- a low posted total at 42 and a half. Check the weather report. Nothing crazy going on there. It's it's just a matter of uh, one divisional team against another divisional team. New England needs it a hell of a lot more than Buffalo, but that's simply because Buffalo is a better team. Didn't put themselves into that spot. I think Buffalo will probably want to get up early and heavy. And I would probably look more so to the first half on this, which I think sits around three and a half to four. Um, Gun to my head, I'm going to take the Bills at seven and a half. Well, the weird thing about New England this year is all season long, they've been making uncharacteristic, like undisciplined plays that have cost them which is something you never saw from a Patriots team during their run. And I imagine it keeps Bill Belichick up at night. Um, They're not playing their best ball. Um, They're just edging games out as it is. And I agree with you. I think Buffalo wants to get up early, get up big, get their big stars out of there, and also be able to roll in because uh, they get a first-round bye uh, and home field for the playoffs if – they win this game. But, yeah. okay, so let's preface it, though. We'll already know what happened with the Kansas City Raiders game on Saturday, right? So That is correct. Their motivation level may or may not be predicated on that result. If Kansas City wins, well, then what the hell is Buffalo playing for? And you could easily see Josh Allen, you know, getting benched for the second half to save his health and a backdoor cover. I mean, I was... I was a huge fan of Mac Jones coming into the league, but he's not done too much to impress me this season. Yeah. So how about we, I, I, you know what? I think that's a good preface. So if Kansas city loses, I've got my money on Buffalo to win this, yeah, to cover this spread. If Casey Stafford wins, the then what's that? Are they going to lose to Stidman and the Raiders? Well, I've seen stranger things happen on uh, the final week of an NFL season, right? All right. Well, so we'll put the caveat in there. If Kansas City wins, New England covers this. If Kansas City loses, New England covers? Or sorry, the Bills cover? Buffalo, the Bills will cover. If if, uh, Kansas City loses, the Bills will cover. Okay. All right. We're on board with that. Maybe the key to the whole plan, get in? Got it. Good. Well, the Minnesota Vikings, man, don't lose a game or two. Chicago's got the Bears, but Lord, who cares? And the fans are always feeling blue. And the fans of the Lions are always crying, because the boys are always out of luck. But everybody.
Finally, Sunday night, uh, the Green Bay Packers are at home to division rival Detroit Lions. Uh, Green Bay, four and a half point favorite. Uh, 49 and a half is the total for this game. And uh, well, just before I even get into the stats, when was the last time anyone ever saw a Lions Packers game at the end of the season that mattered? Good grief, we've entered some strange times. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Lions 8 and 8 overall, 3 and 4 away with a record of 11 and 5 against the spread. Packers also 8 and 8 overall, 5 and 3 at home, but only 500 against the spread. The implications here are that uh, Green Bay controls their own destiny, win and they're in. The Lions have three different ways to crack the postseason a Lions win and a Seahawks loss a Lions tie and a Seahawks loss, or a Lions tie, a Seahawks tie, and a Washington win. Now the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll against that last one. <laughs> I'll put a mortgage payment that that one's not going to happen. Not bloody likely. The Lions have won seven of their last nine, uh, but the Pack have rattled off four straight wins, and uh, this is such a big NFC North matchup. What do you think here? Well, it's huge. I mean, I'm gl- I, I, I thought about it a little bit more, why they flex this particular one, because I think its outcome doesn't affect any other team that's already played. So no other team's looking to see what happens on this one, whether they're going to start or sit guys. So that makes sense. You know, if, we're, if we juxtapose ourselves maybe back in the end of October, say around Halloween, who the hell would have thought Green Bay had a hope in hell of getting into the postseason? And Detroit was firing on all cylinders, and they still are, except for their defense which is ranked 32 in the league in scoring. So let's go back to Jared Goff here in Detroit, who was terrific once again last week and guiding the Lions to a 41-10, sorry, thrashing of the visiting Bears. Sorry, Maddie. Why are you bringing up old shit? Um, Goff completed 21-29 for 255, three touchdown passes, and did not throw one interception for the eighth game in a row. And they hammered Chicago on the ground for 265 rushing yards. Uh, Jamal, uh, or sorry, Jamal Williams, of course, led the way. 22 carries for a buck 44, one touchdown. Gandry Swift had 11 for 78 yards and another score. And their fifth-ranked scoring offense in the NFL right now, Detroit is. But they're going to have to step up in Week 18. Now the Lions contained the Packers in their first meeting, uh, in which Detroit won 15 to nine at Ford Field just last month. Now, this is the NFC North, Maddie, which by de facto sort of makes it your account. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, well, my blind hatred of the Packers is very hard for me to overcome. However, um, you know, the Pack has tightened up their defense, obviously, not allowing more than 21 points in each of the past four games. Yeah. Um, but their defense, when it comes to rushing... Well, they're giving up over five yards a carry. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, yeah, they got Goff, who 29 touchdowns to only seven picks. And they've got a a two-headed running back machine that's getting a couple hundred yards a game. Uh, And tight ends that are working for them, 
right with a couple touchdown grabs. Like they got rid of Hawkinson and they just bring in a couple guys, which is telling me that Jared Goff might be a little better than people were giving him credit for. You know, they could be a lot worse. You know, these guys ain't so fucking bad. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at the Lions here to go into Lambeau Field Sunday night and slap the shit out of Aaron Rodgers and those Packers. I am taking the Lions as my money line Maddie pick this week. Oh! Oh! My stone cold lock of the century. Oh, the week. That's right. This week I'm a Lions fan, buddy. You know, obviously the Lions can see what happens with Seattle in the early game. But at the same time, regardless of the outcome, they want to beat the Packers, period. Like, whether it means playoffs or not. Now, whether someone explains that to Dan Campbell before the game time, they got about a one-hour time window of letting him figure that out for himself. Otherwise, he's going to go firing and pull Ron Rivera, not realizing that they don't have a shot. I don't think Dan Campbell would give a shit. I think that guy, for him, it's a matter of pride. That dude, it's not about paychecks or any of that for him. You can tell that dude's like an old school football guy. We're going to bite a kneecap off. And this is going to come down to an old school trenches warfare type of thing. I, I think, I think, on both sides of the ball for both teams. Yeah, let's go Lions. Get a room, you two. We're in a room. Well, then lose some weight. Now we go to the teaser portion of the program where Andy and I give you a teaser we like, a six-point teaser uh, for the weekend. What are you looking at this week, pal? Well, on both legs of the teaser, it relates to games that we've already discussed. The first one is the Titans on Saturday. Right now, they're currently sitting at plus six. I want to take note of plus 12. And even though Dobbs is starting, and it initially looked like King Henry would be out, uh, Derrick Henry will be playing. It's a low total of 40. Uh, they absolutely need the game against the Jags to get in the playoffs. So I like a low-scoring game, and to keep you know, keep it in a dozen points shouldn't be a, a tall order for them. Second leg of the teaser goes to the aforementioned Detroit Lions, who both Maddie and I think are going to win outright. So taking them through the key numbers of 7 and 10 to 10 and a half seems like a no-brainer. I think that high-powered offense can keep it uh, closer than uh, a double-digit outcome. So sum it up, Titans plus 12, Lions plus 10 and a half. I've got a spread and a total to go together here from the same game. Uh, Jacksonville, they're sitting at minus 6. So take them from minus 6 to a pick em, and they are at home. Uh, and also take the over on the same game from 38.5 to 32.5. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Well, thank you for listening to week 18 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, and then you won't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our website, almostwiseguys.com, for additional content and picks from all week 18 games across the NFL. From the Cosa Nostra studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you really liked our podcast, please share it with two Lions fans. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Charge! We're from this.
get on with a great football team. Which is the Pittsburgh Steelers? Chuck Knob and all his friends are all on the beat. Go out and get them Steelers. Bradshaw and Rocky and Franco and Lee. We love you Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been many years in coming. Just keep that Steeler machinery humming. Who 